Good morning. This is the A to Z podcast. I'm the guy always online angling for a White Claw endorsement, Zach Jackson. He's the guy who's always got wisdom like the apple don't fall far from the tree, Andre Knott. We're at Dre Knott, at Akron Jackson on most of your favorite social media platforms. Our sponsors for this show are Scene, the Honeymoon Grill, and American Fireworks. So thanks to them uh, for what they do for us. Thanks to you guys for listening and helping this thing grow. It's Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast, A to Z podcast.com. Um, if you're new here, we get excited. We wander into mature slash immature subjects and sometimes say four-letter words. So if that's not for you, if there are kids around or if you're working in a work environment, please put on your earbuds or come back at another time. We would never want anyone to get in trouble for listening to A to Z. Andre, how are you? I'm doing well. Good evening. and Thank you for that great way of bringing me into this conversation. We always miss you when we don't talk to you, uh, A to Z fans. We appreciate the shout-outs, the love. I've got a couple stories tonight that point towards all the love that we sometimes get because of this beautiful podcast. <laughs> so it's got to be weird for you uh, going to the ballpark, getting ready to do a broadcast, thinking you're leaving uh, on a trip, a big trip, at 6 o'clock tomorrow, and then you wait yeah. around a few hours. Uh, they get forced into clo- into canceling the game, so traditional doubleheader tomorrow. So I'm sure you have some emotions like, great to go home, uh, you know, but tomorrow's n- another day. And then it's interesting for the yeah. Indians. Um, you know, I thought they got caught sleeping a little bit on Monday night. Now, obviously, they've never hit Mike Miner, uh, and, and that just happens in this right. game sometimes. But they had a great weekend. And then the big weekend's ahead, so be interesting to see if they can find a way uh, to win two tomorrow against a Rangers team that, that really it's a series they need to win, right? Yeah, I hate to say this because it's baseball is unlike any other sport, especially in the month of August with 50-some odd games left to say must win. But I would say it's a critical 72 hours for the Indians going forward when they whenever the first pitch is of the doubleheader versus Texas. Um, it's not like it's a lifeline. It's not like the end of the road is near. But you want to be careful. You don't want to step on a grenade. You know, I mean, at certain times you want to be over aggressive and do whatever you got to do to get to the top. But I just think the next 72 hours is going to be a lot asked of the pitching staff, just a lot asked of the players. You're going to play two games, hopefully. Um, and then you go to, you know, you go to Minnesota where they're going to be waiting around. And it's four games and you're, you know, the pitching staff is, it's crazy because of the emotions of trades. And I think, you know, we've seen this in basketball. Um, you see it even like uh, what is, with the trade of um, for Beckham Jr. in football, and it happened so far away in the offseason that it was a little easier to deal with. But you get this excitement of getting this new toy, of having these new toys, but usually to get that new toy, you had to give up something to get it. And, you know, it took a lot of, took a lot of balls for the Indians to swing the trade that they swung. Um, but at the end of the day, Trevor Bauer still did give you seven innings every night, still did give you – you know, 115 pitches was competitive every fifth day and you don't have that. And and I think in this trade, especially at the part of the schedule that they're at, like I've heard some complain about, you know, Clevenger not pitching in Minnesota. They could have moved him up a day earlier last week, uh, the day before the trade, the Indians still have a lot of moving pieces. Um, And, you know, that's one of those cool phrases that everyone says nowadays, (laughs) but they really do. Uh, Kluber seems like they, you know, they do though. Kluber's, Still a couple weeks away. You probably have one and a half, two guys in the rotation that probably if the year had gone the way it was planned would just be getting a triple A or just getting their feet wet in triple A. Uh, And somehow they're 20 games over 500. And that's why I say the next 72 are important because you talked about the roller coaster swing of sweet. We're off. We get tonight to ourselves to shit. We got to be back here in the morning and play first thing when we get back and then play another one. It's great to have a night off, but you also know what's ahead of you, and you just don't want to go into a four-game series that is as important as the one is with the Twins with your bullpen beat up. Um, so you hope you score a lot of runs early. You hope that you can, you know, save up your bullpen so you can be halfway normal on Thursday and Friday in Minnesota. But at least these – hey, we're in August. We're a day away from the Browns playing their first preseason game. And lo and behold, Zach Jackson is willing to start our podcast talking about baseball – and that baseball is still relevant, uh, you know, on this date. Because let's be honest, in early A, early April, mid-May, we still were probably thinking that we would be done talking baseball by now with the Browns as close to playing their first game. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I was going to ask another baseball question, but I caught myself before you did there. So anyway, 
No, uh, uh, give me one more. Come on. Yeah. So I'm just curious, big picture here. Um, you know, obviously they don't need to win the division to get in the playoffs. And as we've said many times, and, and there's, I think there's as many specific examples in baseball as there is in, is in any other sport. As long as you're the hot team, it doesn't matter how you get in to the tournament, right? Correct. But obviously Correct. Correct. with the way they've come on, and we know they were playing a minor league lineup for much of the year, and we know they've had turmoil you know, on and off the field, um, you would prefer to win the division, right? Just because it puts you in a better yeah, spot and sure. your whole season doesn't come down to one game on October 4th or whatever it is, even if you have the right guys pitching. Right. Correct. And you're right. Look, it's just a numbers game. Yeah, it's correct. And it's yeah. a numbers game. I mean, yes, they've got a really good chance to get the wild card. But do you really want to put your 162 into nine innings in one game? When if you know, like, so you you don't you can't sell yourself towards the wild card like some teams have to, um, because you're still you still are in it. Look, they got ten against the Twins, and to me, I'll state I'll stand on this. They got to win seven out of the ten to win the division, in my opinion, because you know whether Minnesota's a five, four, six, three. By the time the series starts Thursday, uh, because of the and, and let's be and I'll be honest with you, Minnesota's schedule is much easier than the Indians. Um, they get a lot more Detroit, Kansas City, and the White Sox than the Indians do. So it's going to be an uphill battle. And it's so and you know what with the injuries and everything they had, and this is the last thing I'll say about it. and I won't repeat this message, but if most teams you took away Kluber, Carrasco, and Clevenger for you know half of the first half, and Lindor didn't play till April twentieth, um, they would probably be fourteen games under five hundred. I don't know how they've done this, um, but like I said, I think the next 72 hours are pretty critical for where they go next. I would agree. I would agree. So anyway, back to the Browns. Um, Thursday's game's a milestone, just a turning point in camp. You know, I, I know it'll be sold out. No, I don't think it'll actually be sold out because I think there's enough logical people who understand how bad preseason football is, specifically the first game. It is Thursday night. People have, their right. work. People have other things they do here in Northeast Ohio in the summer. And that's fine. Um, it's for the preseason, guys, is for evaluating players, not teams, and however Freddie wants to handle it. But I, I do want to say two things about the Browns um, over the course of the however next many minutes that we, that we talk about them here. Um, one is, uh, I'll just start with this. Over the last two days, guys, I have seen Baker throw the deep ball astoundingly well. And... It hasn't, hasn't always been pretty. It's a not supposed to be pretty, and you don't want or need to be revved up in the first week of August. But this offense shows glimpses, and a lot still has to come together, and they're going to have to weather good and bad, and that's going to be part of the second thing we discuss here, uh, and things that can't be proven until later, things that can't be proven until they get on your plate. But I'm just going to come out and say it. If that fucker throws the ball like that, this team is going to score a lot of points. Because there's a lot of guys that can go get it, oh, oh, and yeah. uh, and he he has, of course, and I know you get to see a lot of them on Twitter, and that's the great part about modern training camp. It's still just training camp. But Jerry, I'm telling you, there is times that he has looked down and picked out a guy, and that guy wasn't necessarily open. That guy wasn't necessarily the first read, but he stepped up, set his feet, and threw it right to where he wanted to throw it. And two two different guys, it was right there, and the body language, the completion. The actual completion of the catch, uh, it's just the kind of stuff that makes you say, wow, and makes you think this team can start to live up to the lofty expectations. Well, isn't it fun to show up to a camp and things actually go the way that they're supposed to go? It and you're really seeing a guy is. live up to <laughs> – yes. Yeah, and he's living up to a standard. I, I think that's the other thing that for Browns camps and for Browns players, and the hype is so – it's it's odd. I'll be honest. Like, I – how can you not be into it and dig it? But at the same time, um, I've, I've burnt my head, hand getting too close to it as well, so I'm very cautious. But when I see, and like, and it's funny because I, I'm going to say something that I never thought I would say. I used to like get annoyed when people would be like, you know, when everybody from Korea or whatever would tweet out the same thing, like, and you get like six of them at the same time. Yeah. I see the same videos from four different cameras every single day, and I'm not banging on you guys. It's the job. It is what it is. You know, it, it just it's. It's what our, you know, what our settings are about. Dustin Fox drops a video on Instagram at, at 10 a.m. and Barstool's got it at 10 p.m. You know, like it's it's amazing the, the the quickness of how it turns. But when I did see you tweet, I believe today about a long ball from Mayfield um, to Beckham, and, and you were just like, it's a perfect throw. And then I see like three other people kind of say the same thing, where you know, not that I'm doubting your credibility or someone else's, but when you can see, you know, 
when you see it from a couple people and you see this every day, I got to say from the outside looking in, it, it does get me excited. So excited that I can't be excited for Thursday because I know that that would just, that's just the tease. Yeah. And maybe the third game will get us some, I, I, you know, a, a guy, we are, um, the Indians translator, Augie, great guy pitched, um, but he's very inquisitive, very smart, and he's, you know, he's not from here. He's from Dominican. And he asked me the other day, he was like, you excited for football? And I was like, yeah. He goes, because he knows my background. I go, yeah. I go, but it's kind of like the third week of spring training. I was like, you know, trying to get him a correlation. I was like, I'm excited, but I know that we're not going to get exactly what I want yet. But I'm excited because, I mean, say what you will, but Kareem Hunt is the third streak. Like, not even, you know, like, not even a part of it, but then – I got to admit, when I see a picture with him in an orange helmet on and he's got the football on, the reality of if he can stay, and I know that's just one guy, but just added on to all the other things you see, it's, it's a really cool thing. And it sounds like, and I haven't been to a practice, and that's why you're here, but I like how Freddie Kitchens runs a training camp. His training camp is not supposed to be easy. I'm not saying you kill guys and you, you, know, you, and you put them in and make them do the bull ring. But it sounds like every day is a serious business of put the pads on, and this is the only way we get ready, especially in this division. I like that. No, no doubt. Um, and, and time's going to tell on that, and I think we've said a couple things. One being, regardless of, of which way you approach training camp as the head coach and which way it unfolds depending on how things go, there's always going to be some skepticism from the other side, right? Because these guys are finely tuned sure, athletes. Sure. You do need them down the road. However, specifically in the game of football, you only get, and in today's CBA, right, you only get so many opportunities to go full speed or something resembling it. And to get good at some things, specifically on the lines, specifically with the timing of things, you have to go full speed and you have to risk injury. And as I've said, I believe that Freddie has said, we're going to take the injury risk, we're going to try to build toughness and discipline, and we're going to do it in practice, and whatever happens, happens. I think if he gets a guy hurt, uh, in an early preseason game, he's from the outside. He's the biggest dumbass ever, right? If it happens in practice, it practice. Right, and I think right. he he hasn't said that. I've said that. Those are my words. I've been clear about that. But I think he's well, willing to take that. I disagree. Can I say? Can, yeah. Yeah. Can I can I disagree and, and hold and like in a respectful way? Um, Freddie Kitchens, unlike us and unlike the fans, isn't thinking about. I mean, he he could say he's thinking about winning the Super Bowl this year. What he's trying to do is build an image of who we are. And if a guy has to miss a game or has to miss a quarter or I lose a guy here or there, we're still building our identity. I said that to a – we had a security guard that's gung-ho about the Indians, but he's, he's a huge Browns fan. And we have a running joke. He always like, what are the Browns going to do? And, you know, four or five years ago, I'd be like, the year they went 0-16, I remember saying 1-15, like in August, and it crushed him. He was like, how could you say that? How could you say that? And, like, and then, like, you know, the next year he was like, man, you were on it. But the other day I was like, he goes, come on, Dre, give me 10 wins. Give me 10 wins. And I won't say his name because I've learned using some people's names. His imaging <laughs> comes back to haunt my legs later on in my life. Because uh, this podcast is listened to about more than just uh, me and your mom in the basement and my friends. Um, I go, person's name. I go, what are the problems do on third and seven? He goes, Baker throws it to, you know, he throws it to, and he, you know, he just is like, come on, man, we got Chubb. We got, you know, with Beckham. And I go, okay. I go, but what's the play? I go, what's the setup? What's the scheme? I go, do they know it like the back of their hand? Do they even need to look at Freddie Kitchens or look into the sideline? I go, I'm not putting them down. Yeah, they've got great talent. I go, but until you create the sense of your identity, you can't truly go to where the Browns want to go, in my opinion. So I think what Freddie is building is beautiful. You know, if guys got to miss a day at camp, if guys, if guys are literally missing camp because they're sore and they're beat up, then that's a good thing going forward because that's the identity you want to have when on a Sunday, on, you know, and you're out of gas, whether it's in October or whether it's in December, you fall back on what's built right now. And riding bikes because of tissue, this and that, and, and going in shells for five minutes and running through plays, that's fine and dandy to me when you've graduated to having an identity. The Browns still don't have an identity yet, and I like that Freddie Kitchens is building yeah, no, I, I can buy all of that. And, and let me say this, um, you know, of course, even in the bad camps, Dre, and, and even in other camps that I've been to good teams in previous years, you flat out have bad days. That's football, right? 
you flat out have good no days doubt. because the defense no. has a bad day or the offense has a good day or the guy's covering. You know what I'm saying? All, right. all of that goes. Um, sometimes, right, right, it, right. you know, and on Sundays, it doesn't matter if it's a broken play, a deflected pass or a beautifully designed triple reverse or a fly route. Right. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you're a dummy. Right. Um, some right. of the good days, guys, have come here while Miles Garrett and the starting defensive line aren't in there. They have been a problem and the defense looks great. Now it's early. Um, there's still questions about the depth. And, and as I've said all along, my only reservations with guys like Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson are they're 28 years old. They played a lot of games in the league and, and just historically well-paid defensive linemen hit a declining point. I'm not saying about either one of those guys. I'm saying it. it's happened before. Right. And Sheldon Richardson on his fourth team. They're like running years. backs. They're like, they're, yeah. Yeah. They're like running backs. They take a lot of hits. Yeah. So that being hits. said, when Miles isn't out there, it's a lot easier for the offense to make those plays. Miles is really good. He said he's lighter. Uh, I think he's just watching him. I think he's just carrying himself in a different way. And um, you know, I look forward to man. watching him and, and talking to him more about it because it makes sense. He had a lost rookie year. He, he knows pl- he belongs. Yes, he, he knows he belongs. Right. He had a lost rookie year playing on a shit team for shit coaches, right? Getting hurt, going through all of that stuff. Then he comes out last year. He stays healthy. He proves to himself, as you just said, he belongs. And now the light really comes on, and it's all the talent in the world, right? It's not hyperbole. It's talent right, oozing right. out his freaking fingernails, right? He knows the routine. He knows his body. He knows the tr- strength coach. Yep. He knows the training staff. He knows the guys around him, right? He knows every stadium he plays in and every tackle he plays against. He didn't know these things previously, right? So we'll see. Right, um, right. Yeah, the, other, the, the larger point no, back about – go ahead. You, yeah, just about you following camp and all that. I am fully aware that it's practice. Full Al, full Allen Iverson voice, guys, we're talking about practice. <laughs> and, and when I'm in the media room after practice, I'm following Panthers camp and Bengals camp and Steelers camp and Seahawks camp, and it's practice. Here's the thing. Most days, specifically in Browns camp for nine days, it's been super competitive, right? And this is the only time right. of the year when you get to cover the NFL that you are allowed to watch and report on anything but the games. So, of course, we're out there filming it. Of course, we're out there commenting on it. Right. Of course, we're out there evaluating because it's the only time we can do it. Why do I love to go to the Senior Bowl every year? Yes, it's to drink the vodka, right, at night. But during the day, I love to watch the football practice. And every day, I have the greatest job in the world because I get to drive to Berea, and I motherfuck every idiot on Bagley Road, and I'm, you know, I wake up late and all of these things, but I get there and I get to watch the football practice, and the football team like has some really good players. So we'll see what happens. So um, my second point, and I didn't make a big deal. I didn't make any deal of this in my writing because I didn't think it was worth it, and I do believe that it's something small that will pass over. However. I don't believe that Freddie Kitchens needed to say what he said about Bob Wiley. Let me follow it up because I know how you're responding to this. Yes, Freddie took it personally. Yes, Freddie took it as an opportunity to stand up for his players, and he is very much in the mode of establishing himself as a head coach, building relationships, building trust, all of those things. But we've been saying quit majoring in the minor. The Browns don't play Bob Wiley. The Browns don't play the 2018 Browns. And Freddie has enough on his plate. There were so many different ways to dismiss that and still get a shot in at Bob Wiley. There were so many different ways to deflect that and move past that and take the high road on that and still make it clear that you don't care. So stick with your whole, if you don't wear orange and brown, you don't matter thing, and stick with it. Don't just say it, Freddie. Don't just say it. Again, and I know you guys are, woo, woo, that's Cleveland. I like it. But that's us, you know. And look, sometimes it is just football, and I'm not going to counter that. But I'm in my rotting cold hearts of rotting cold hearts, Trey, I'm rolling the shit out of my eyes when that goes on because I see everybody woof, woofing behind it, and that don't have a damn thing right, to do right. with getting where this team goes. And as you know, I always say, when you got bigger goals, you got to focus on the bigger goals and not the shit sandwich that's yeah. of the previous 20 years. Hey, I can't. It's amazing. I, I'm in line with you. I chuckled. Um, I don't get why you guys care. What's like, like I saw so many people like a year ago at this time, hard knocks was starting and you got, and, and maybe you guys are taking that to heart. If you don't wear orange and brown, you're not like, I get like it's a nice slogan. It's a nice t-shirt or whatever, but 
can we have some re- see have some reality, like in life and what sports really are? Like, okay, like, like Bob, you guys love Bob Wiley twelve months ago. Like, are we really all sheep and we just thought like, okay, the guy doesn't have his job, doesn't have a job anymore. And and I and I can ride a little bit with what Freddie was saying. Freddie's right. Like, like personalities most of the time ruin relationships or ruin teams because you can only have so many personalities, right? And there's going to be, and that's why Baker is great because he's a personality that's a strong one and that the team is willing to get behind. It's different if you have a strong personality and nobody wants to get behind it or nobody believes in it or everybody looks through you and, and you're fake. We love Bob Wiley last year. We love the stories of the offensive line taking balls to Bob Wiley. But what you fell in love with Bob Wiley with a year ago is not what you're mad at Bob Wiley for. You can't have that. And Freddie had, and Freddie had every right to have him or not have him on his, on his staff. And if you really want to sell to people, Freddie, hey, if you're not wearing orange and brown, you don't matter, then that was the time to say we appreciate everything Bob Wiley did for the Cleveland Browns to say next question. Correct. Correct. Now, as we're Listen. on this topic, as, as we're on this, go ahead. Bob Wiley's 15, and I, and I hope I don't have to write about this anymore, and I do think it will blow over, right? Because this is the NFL. Oh. In the NFL, right. as the season right. goes along, things that were three days ago seem like they were three years ago, right? Little things, big things, football things, non-football no things, right? But Bob Wiley's 15 right. minutes, guys, was 48 to 50 weeks ago on Hard Knocks, right? That's it. He's up. Those were yep. the old Browns. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to stick with this theme of we're back, right? And, and, right. and this is right. just what I worry about. I worry about depth of the team, which is a good thing because that means you got frontline starters. I worry about the kickers because exactly. we'll see what happens, and that can cost you games, and it is about winning. It's not about coming close. Are they that bad? That's all y'all be talking about is them damn kids. Yeah, let, let me get back to that in a minute. Yes. And I just worry about everything getting handled. You know, I, 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 I have heard right. – I, I mean, again, and I'm not trying to rip anybody individually here. I'm just asking for a little perspective. I have heard the – Credible people say unstoppable for this offense. Guys, get a grip, right? I've heard credible people talk about AFC championship game. Like, beat the fucking Steelers one time first, right? Like, right. it's okay. Right. It, it's it's right. okay to be excited. And I think going back to the night of the Beckham trade and every time we've talked about the Browns, which is almost every damn time with about two or three exceptions that we've done this, we have said the Browns <laughs> have a chance to be really good. Miles Garrett at 15 to 1 to win the sack title is worth your 20 bucks, guys. <laughs> all the Baker wow. Mayfield jerseys, all the Baker Mayfield biting cans, all the Baker Mayfield hysteria, man, it seems like it's going to be worth it. And John Dorsey's done a hell of a job of surrounding him with talent. Let's just yeah. see. Let's just let them become a team and ride the wave of the team's wave, the, the ride, and go through the things the teams have to go through to where they get to those moments where they find out that they've made it and then go. I'm telling you, in practice today, Every, I saw a quarterback that can keep you relevant for eight or ten or twelve years, right? But the two, th- the John that's Dorsey beautiful. Browns are seven, eight, and one. The Freddie Kitchens Browns are one and zero, oh, and the one was against Bob Fucking Wiley. So let's just have a little <laughs> bit of patience here and see what happens. I anytime somebody says they're going to AFC or they're going to the Super Bowl or any of that, just ask them what's their play on third and six. What do they do on third and seven? Very simple. The great teams went to camp knowing Bob right. Ben Roethlisberger. I say this year after year, Roethlisberger knows where he's going on third and six, third and seven. The quarterback out with the LA Chargers knows where he's going. Drew Brees knows where he's going. Brady knows. You guys all get where I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying the Browns won't know that. I'm not saying the Browns won't know that. But that is their Patrick Mahomes knows that in KC. The Browns will know that in due time. But today, right now, they still have to grow and figure out. What is the best way to use Landry? Can you put him in the slot and move him around? Do you have a receiver that can you put Hollywood Higgins on the outside when you go three wide? Is the tight end ever going to be consistent? Or is he ever is he just going to be this? And I know he's young, and I'm not getting on him yet. There's no games being played, and I'm just going off of what I read, what I see. There's some things that everything's got things to figure out. But before we get there, let's just find out what our bread and butter is. I think that's the main thing I'm saying. Can, will this team be a good screen team? Will they be able to use, you know, Chubb out of the backfield? Until Hunt gets there. Those are questions that I have, and they won't be answered until October, to be completely honest. Now, you brought up the beer can. I'll admit I was off one Saturday. You and I both got a text from someone that was at the game saying, look out for what's coming next. And I'm the old fuddy-duddy. I'll admit it doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't. And, like, and I like to have a good time. I, 
doesn't make me less of a fan of Baker or more of a fan of Baker. It's just kind of I don't like I, like I don't know. Maybe it's apparent to me. I'm being and I'm being upfront. Like I think it's cool, but I don't. And I just I guess I'm past that age of thinking somebody slamming a beer is, is hilarious. Well, I didn't think when Aaron Rodgers did it was funny. I don't know. I'm just being honest. Maybe yeah. I've passed that that step in life. Yeah, Maybe. like I always say, I don't care what I, anybody else I is drinking. I care what I'm drinking. <laughs> Right. 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 Hey, look, look, even though I don't believe that it was completely organic, I think that, you know, Baker has embraced his spot in the city in in the sports hierarchy. Right. I think it took some I think it both took and created some cool synergy between the teams at a time. As you mentioned, the Indians have totally turned their season around and the Browns have never been. There's never been more buzz. Much of that is centered around Baker. No doubt. You know, he's got he's. Uh, he's got the world by the ball. I, 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 just let me say this, and this doesn't give away what I'm writing, uh, but I've talked to Tim Couch about this. I have talked to Baker's people from early in his life about this. I have talked to other people around the league about this. Like, I don't think any of us that have any sense at all really thought that Baker and Johnny Manziel were the same person, right? Like, and if you if you no, did if right. you knew anything at all. And, and weren't trying to win every hot take award, you knew that that was ridiculous. However, Baker right, had the right. arrest. Baker had the hothead incident on the sideline. And more than anything, Johnny's not the first or the last guy to burn Browns fans. Hungry, thirsty, right. delusional Browns fans. So when Baker said, right. hey, listen, I'm cool, I'm made for this, just a lot of us didn't want to listen, right? And when Baker said, I can handle all this, a lot of us didn't want to listen. And then Baker came in, and he was put in a bad spot by his idiot head coach and had a lot of things working against him. And he did a lot of good things last year. Did he do a lot of great things? Has he really done anything yet? Yes, sir. I don't know. But he has handled it all pretty damn well. He has shown that he can he can carry still that edge that has helped him get to where he is, being doubted since he was 14, 16, 17, 20 years old, right, and get here to the – to right. knock it on the door at the top of his profession, and we'll see. So, again, yeah, I wasn't like, yeah, Baker! <laughs> Same way. But, hell, yeah, I think you want to have fun with it. That's fine. And Baker has Cleveland by the balls, and I have not, I've yet to meet a, meet a person in Cleveland, age 12 or even way above that, way above our age, right. who, who has a problem with it. I, I think it was. I think there's you know nothing else worth discussing, but I don't think Baker has done – a wrong thing, at least publicly. Even the Duke Johnson thing that people want to take him to task for. We had to talk about it. Was it his, what is it, his yeah. finest moment? No. Was it a, is a huge deal? No. I think Baker has a firm grasp on who he is and what he means and can mean to this city if the work gets done. And most importantly, I think he has focused on the work. And, again, we'll, we'll all see what happens, but it's a pretty exciting darn time. Yeah. Hey, I'll say it this way. Whether I've been right or wrong about anything about him, I'd rather have him as the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns than about everybody but three or four other guys in the NFL right now that play that position. All right, I'm not saying I'm glad you said best, it. Let's go. Let's go over. Him. Let's go over him. All right. Let's All right. Do a list. All right. Two, one, six, um, five, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is this is August radio here on your podcast, but but no, I'm glad you said that. We got to go there. Number 12 from the Packers is one of those guys, right? Yes. Number 10 from the Chiefs is one of those guys. 12 from New England. 12 from New England. Yes, He's still among the best in what he's doing, no doubt. Um, I think I'd still rather have 17 from the Chargers right now. I like 17 from the Chargers, the KG veteran, and and, uh, the guy down in New Orleans. You know what? I might want our the guy down in New Orleans for the first time. His arm strength didn't seem the same last year. Yeah. Okay. Um, we, we, we could debate that He's because I great. think those are close, and I don't think any of us would be surprised if our answer seven weeks from now is different on both those guys, right? Because they're fucking old. There's a 2004 no no draft no and the 2001 draft, right? But I mean, no I'll no go no. ahead and right. say, like, you talk about Kirk Cousins, you'd rather have Baker, right? You talk about Carson yep. Wentz, He's been hurt. We can have this discussion. Uh, yeah. You know, who would you rather yeah, have? But I'll take Baker. Seven in, seven in Pittsburgh, I would take the four still. Too. I'm still taking gotta, seven in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. I'm still taking seven in Pittsburgh. Uh, no doubt. Andrew Luck, probably have Andrew Luck. Right? Ooh. I, it's close, though, because can Andrew stay out? I mean, a part of being, a part of being a, the top five, top, part of being the top tier, you've got to play, right? And I'm not holding it against him. 
But if he, he's he's very close to it. But you're right. I take Andrew right now. All right. So we got we got four definites and four maybes, right? Yeah. And for right. a guy, I, for, so I, to me, yeah. go ahead. For a guy, thirteen games into his career, who's now surrounded by a skill group that um, is inarguably a top sure. five group. You can place it, um, you know, two through five, right? Um, that's a pretty exciting thing in a past happy end. Right. Yeah. Right. Very exciting. Yeah. And to me, yeah. Right. And to me, as, to me, as long as Zach Jackson is riding on August 31st, that that guy is going to be ready to line up on opening day against the team. And, and, and that group is together. I'm excited. I'm not going to pay $2,000, $2,000 to get in to watch it, but I'm excited for for all the reasons just listed above. And heck, it's not our Browns preview uh, podcast, but I think it's been a pretty good one because you talked about the two number one draft picks and the two number one draft picks look like number one draft picks two, three years later. That's been an issue with the Browns organization. Uh, and if they get those two right, and we know this, what I'm saying is common sense. But when you get the first pick of the draft and you suffer through what it takes to get, get that first pick, when you pick the right person, it changes your franchise. And the Browns, and I'm not a Sashi guy, you guys know this, but the Browns have two choices to do this. And it looks like, and sounds like from this podcast, they have the two right foundation pieces to move forward. So well, other than that, let's go. When, when historically, and by historically I mean two decades, you've gotten one out of seven right, then all of a sudden getting two out of four right is like fucking phenomenal, right? right and and as i've told people publicly and privately like early on a the defense is good and b i'm not grading the browns on a curve anymore i'm grading the browns offense like a real nfl team when i watch them out there you know and it's their sixth practice right right um and when you have the qb that makes up for some other ones you miss or some other deficiencies you have because you always have a chance when you have that qb uh there is no doubt about that and then your your QB and your head coach become your ceiling, and we'll see. I don't think the Browns have any chance to win yeah. the Super Bowl this year, guys. But I think it's fair to say right now, before the first preseason game is even played, before we ride any of these other waves, that if they don't make the playoffs, it's a disappointment. I I believe that that'd be my one statement no for August two thousand nineteen. Do you do you think that's fair? All right, I, I'll go almost there, but I'll, and I'll go close to it. In my opinion, if they're not playing, if their last three games aren't important and don't matter to the playoffs, it's a bad season. Yes, okay. I think. Right, right. Because, you know, you, know, like, you know what I mean? Like, as long as the games in December are 4 o'clock games or 8 o'clock games, they're where they should be. Does that make sense? Yes, I get what you're saying. But if, the, if they go off of what I'm saying, they are going to be in the playoffs. Because, because they haven't been there. And because they only played one game really that mattered last year, the last game of the season, when I say matter, it mattered to who was going on and who was going home. There's a difference in those types of games, right? We found that out. You talked to Derek Anderson about that in 07. Like, yeah, the Browns played great when nobody had any expectations and it really didn't have any matter. It was just, you know, playing. But when the games matter, matter, and everybody knows you need to win to get in the playoffs or win to stay in first place or win to stay in the wild card, there's a different type of pressure that comes with that. The Browns have to play in those types of games in 2019. Amen. That's what I'm saying. Amen. And those are the games that that win or lose. If you're worth two shits, you you take the experiences going forward, right? Because they're they're building Mm -hmm. a core. That's what what hasn't happened here for various reasons, mostly because they haven't drafted the right quarterback, so no one's been able to stay long enough. But they're building a core. And I'm just going to tell you guys right now, That history says one or two guys you think are going to be in this core aren't going to be. Maybe it's injury. Maybe it's underperformance. Maybe it's Dorsey has to make a decision to pay some of these guys. But when you look at this core of 26 and under on this team, the, your window should be opening. And, and the window yeah. could prove to be the exact opposite of the window of hell you've been living in for the last 11 seasons. Right? Gosh, <laughs> Fair I enough. Hope. And since Gosh, we're, all right, since we're all playing right. Browns and we're playing um, – Old school radio, um, throw throw it out there. I'm going to ask you this. Our fantasy league that we're in, the League of Degenerates, in House of Rest Bracelets, in 19 smoke breaks and 18 rounds. It's not a PPR <laughs> league as most fancy leagues are today. So let me ask you this. Right. In traditional scoring, if you were taking a Browns player in the first round, you, you, you and you alone, not our team, your choice, you and AJ's team, would you take Nick Chubb or would you take Odell Beckham? I would take Beckham. And I think Chubb is everything. 
I really do. I just think Beckham has a chance. Motivated talent is unlike any other talent in the world. And you have an uber-talented guy who really since the first time since his rookie year, and you know I've been lukewarm on him, but I'm going to be honest about this, but he's you can't double him every play. And I know Chubb is going to explode. Chubb might go for 1,500. He really might. I just think that you have a chance for Beckham to have a 85 to 100 catch season, like with 15, 16, 17 touchdowns. Who, how are you going to stop him in the red zone? If you put if you put Landry, the tight end, and 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 Hollywood on the right hand side, how are you going to double team him on the other side? I don't. I, wanna, don't, I think he could put up. Go ahead. I don't want to act like I was on Freddie's play sheet or in Odell's head today. But there was back-to-back plays in the red zone where it didn't even look to me like Odell was going 100%, and they were just easy touchdowns because he knows exactly where he needs to be and how to get there. And Baker knows exactly how to throw it a little bit outside of the window where the defense thinks it's going to be, and Odell just reaches out and gets it. Yes. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. He's that good. Like I said, motivated Uber superstars are guys – like, like LeBron, I don't know if Father Time is going to win or not, or Taco Tuesday. One or the other is going to win on his ass. But he's going to be pretty crazy this year, too, because of the motivation he has that's out there. Um, I'm running you know, I, and I hope he'll bit. just be a, a basketball player. <laughs> I wish LeBron would just uh, be a basketball yeah, player. Yeah, right. <laughs> Me, too. And he's a good. And, and I wish he'd just be a basketball player. Is, is he a little out of hand as a dad, jumping all over the court? Absolutely. But he's LeBron James. Right. Um, I mean, his, he he lives in a different atmosphere than the rest of us. And what I was referencing, guys, is, Daddy is loved- yeah, what I was referencing is his little tweet storm tonight, where he's taking personally this new agent rule, like yeah. it's Rich Paul. First of all, that that's that's aimed at medium level prospects. It's not that's not the guys that Rich Paul gets. Um, and and secondly, like LeBron is always and LeBron's been phenomenal to to my city, to our city, to it's been awesome to watch him. But like this whole we should – I don't care what the rules are and what you think of them. His whole thing continues to be I'm above the rules, right? Tampering rules don't apply to me. Trade rules don't apply to me. These rules don't apply to me. And and it just gets tiring because he's still a basketball – when he's done, he doesn't have to follow anybody else's rules, right? But now it's just like, please play basketball. But isn't that, you, you chose to go to the Lakers. Please play basketball but isn't that America? the Lakers. I don't know. It's Ameri- no, it's but America. Isn't that America? And, and we could run through a list of reasons why LeBron fucking James has never had to play by the rules, right? And he's earned that. Right, right, right. So. Yeah, and so I don't disagree, but, like, to me, to me, he's no longer even a basketball player. To me, he just sounds like every other rich asshole out there that does whatever he wants. Well, there's certainly a lot of you assholes. Know, like, there's certainly a lot of assholes tweeting bad opinions and looking for attention, and he's one of them currently. <laughs> right, and he's, in the, and he's in that group. And he's in that group. And that's why, like, I wish it was just about basketball, but he's no longer. He's in that group of the asshole rich person that tells us what to do. That's just where he's at in life, and it's hard to judge him based off of that. I don't disagree with you. Right. All right, I got to tell a couple of stories that are very A to Z related. Okay. You don't know this about me. Um, my wife is a big Imagine Dragons fan, and Zach makes, goes out of his way to make fun of it year in and year out. Not a lot of you people out there will be tweeting me asshole things about Imagine Dragons because that's what assholes do. I'm one of them as well. I like making fun of stuff that I don't get. They actually put on a good concert. So they had a concert this past week, um, Sunday night, uh, down in Canton at the Pro Football Hall of Fame to cap off the weekend. It was in late August, as soon as Jen saw it. And because of my – and I'll just be the same. And, and this isn't a marriage counseling podcast, as you guys know. But I got a really good wife that bends over backwards to make my life work. So I don't mind bending at times. And that's how you make shit work. I don't mind bending at times and knowing she's going to have a good night doing whatever she wants, considering all the games I make her go to and all the games I make her watch and all the asshole conversations she has to hear between me, Zach, and all my other friends and all the other places I've made her go. The least I can do is go to that. So I want to say like in spring training, maybe she saw this concert was coming. So she's like, you got any hookups? You know, you know anybody? And I was like, eh, I'll ask Zach. And Zach, of course, I was, and then I, as I said that, I was like, fuck. I don't want to have this conversation with Zach. That just gives him one more thing to make fun of me about. So I text him, and I'm like, yo, you know anybody at the Hall of Fame to give me some tickets? And he laughed. I forgot about it because it wasn't the top thing on my radar. So like two more months, you know, like two months ago, she's like, hey, did you ever reach out to Zach? Zach ever find anything out about the tickets to the concert? And I probably forgot and blew it off. And then another month goes by. 
And then, I, and then I text back again and nothing. Then I start thinking of other people I can reach out to. So I finally get tickets, but I only get three. I didn't even get four because I figured – I was like, ah, I won't be in town. I won't go. I didn't even ask for the date. So I tell her I got three tickets for her best friend that she played soccer with and her husband. And she's like, why'd you get three? You're coming with us. It's a day game. It's this at night. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I had to go back through the person that was hooking me up, got us floor seats. Shout out Jeff Z. You the man. I love you. Took care of me. Um, I had to get another seat. I had to get a fourth seat. So I get the fourth seat. And obviously we had the game on Sunday. Saturday, her and I went out, had a good time. Had a late night Saturday, then an early game Sunday. We bring the kids to the game and everybody else. And some of my uh, family that Zach hangs out with uh, on his downtime, that's something else that just came up and almost slipped and said something that I can't say on the podcast that you text me that's so fucking funny, but goddamn, I hate you. Um, So by time 6 o'clock came around Sunday, I was beat. I wanted to go to bed, but it was time to go to Canton, baby. Time to go out and go see the Imagine Dragons, or as you call them, the Imaginary Dragons. So we go get a cocktail. It rains terribly. We don't get out the car. We go to a, a winery that's close by. We wait. We get somebody to tell us when they're going on. We walk We walk like half a mile to get to, to the concert, and a black dude that's like a security guard is like, bro, I'm going to tell you right now, man, your wife ain't getting in with that big-ass purse. And he said, it's just like that. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. And so I turn around and I tell my wife and I tell her friend, I'm like, just go in a concert. I'll walk by the car, drop your purse off, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I walk back and I say to my friend Dennis, who's with me, I was like, well, at least we don't have to see the whole concert. So we walk back. They go into the concert. So when we walk back to the car, we walk back, we get to the gate. And the guy, you know, looks at my friend's ticket, lets him in. I hand him my ticket. We make eye contact. He looks back down at my ticket, scans it. And says, congrats, Andre. Have a good night. Yes. And I <laughs> about shit myself. I wanted to yell, fuck you. I wanted to yell, like, it was the best. And I had to explain it to Dennis. Dennis was listening to this other podcast. And when Dennis heard it, he was like, he got you, homie. He goes, that was great. He goes, you would have saw my face. I was like, I just walked into an Imagine Dragons concert. And this dude listens to the podcast enough to know that there is no congrat, like the congrat of my, as the husband walking into the, the Imagine Dragons concert. And he said it and did it so well. He's got a future in comedy, whatever your name is. Tweet us, get at us. You deserve a Larry Nance shit your pants shirt. I'm going to shit on it myself and give it to you. It was the funniest thing of my entire life. It made the Imagine Dragons concert great. And on the flip side, you should be going to this concert, man. It was full of, it was full of nothing but horny wives that were away from their husband. And that's the other reason why I would never let my wife go to one by herself. <laughs> well, first of all, on Sunday night, my bedtime is way before the imaginary dragons take the stage. So um, that's just how, how it is. Secondly, as we discussed in the group chat, uh, I've been to a lot of concerts. I've been to a few with you with mixed results, mostly good, mostly good memories. But at my age, I hear concert and I think, oh my gosh, probably a lot of traffic and probably a lot of lines for the bathroom. That's what I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just... You were right about the bathroom. <laughs> you like... owe. You owe, bro. <laughs> yeah. That that's just that is that is just what I think. And secondly, I have not been to an Imaginary Dragons concert, and I know they have a couple songs that I know, but um I don't know. I, I haven't been to Blossom in two years. And not that I ever went to Blossom for the concert itself. I just think I've kind of right. phased out. Like it's, We peaked on that. It's a lot. It's a lot, man. It's a lot of walking, a lot of heat, a lot of people, a lot of bullshit. To just drink and listen to shit I can listen to on my back and forth. Yeah, hey, <laughs> I mean, a lot of you guys know this. I am not going to run from the fact that I am a spoiled, pampered press box bitch. So if you want me to go to Blossom, I will go. But there's one non-negotiable thing, and that's VIP parking pass because I am not going out in that lot where the teenagers are smoking weed and throwing up, and, then, and then I'm walking three miles Preach. sweating my ass off. You get Preach. me in that VIP Preach. lot, Preach. we drink, we go in five minutes before the main act takes the stage, and we come right back out. I'm in. Let's go. <laughs> that's the one non-negotiable point, the parking pass. Just how it's going to be. He ain't lying, y'all. <laughs> he ain't lying. That's the true proof. Zach, don't lie. That's the truth. Well, All right. Last thing for me. I, I got to roll after this. Yeah, I'm here. You, you got me? You got me? Yeah, I'm you're here. here. Sorry. 
Anyway, I got like three minutes. So what's your other story? All right. So as you guys all know, Hard Knock starts tonight. It's with the Oakland Raiders. And I don't buy HBO. And like I got other channels and I got all this as well, the other gym jams or whatever else. So about three hours ago, two hours ago, when I knew the Indians game was banged, I tweeted out to the CFO, Sprinko, as y'all know him. I tweeted out, hey, Sprinko, you're my friend. I need that uh, pass tonight. And without even looking down, and like three seconds later, I get a text from a good friend of the, of the, of, of the program, is what I'll leave this as. And it says, need HBO password? And I said, hell yeah. I get their password, and I send back, always liked you more than Zach. Thank you. And the text I got back from that person was, you sound like Reg. <laughs> Brody Jackson came through in the clutch. He said, fuck the CFO. I'm the CFO. He came through and hit a three late at the dime. That's my man, Brody Jackson. Yeah, ain't nobody like him. <laughs> he came it was just hilarious that Brody, of all people, texted me right away. I was like, here, you can have mine. <laughs> and I didn't even tell Zach that. Zach's just learning this one. Oh, that's oh. funny. That is funny. Um, what is your interest level? Like, I'm going to say this. I always have a certain interest level in hard knocks. And as compared to teams like yeah. the Rams and Texans that preceded the Browns, I have a high interest level in a John Gruden, Antonio Brown hard knocks. But probably just because of where I am in camp and it Tuesday at 10 o'clock, like, I'm going to watch – but, I mean, it's 940 right now, and we're wrapping up, and I'm watching Aaron Kraft, and the moment that game's over, I'm going to bed. So I will watch Hard Knocks on Wednesday yeah, you... and Thursday. And I'll watch every minute of this yeah. Raiders show. But I can't see over the next five Tuesdays a time where I'm like, all right, Tuesday night I'm locked in. Yeah. Um, I get what you're saying about that. I think after the Browns, it's hard to get up. Just to be honest, it's hard to get up for it. Oh, no doubt. I wasn't excited for it until, you know what I mean, until yesterday maybe. Uh, the Gruden thing, I can – I used to not hate Gruden, but I can do without that. I like seeing the personalities. I like finding out about the guys that we know right – that people like you and I know have no way of business of making the team. I like the storylines. You know, I, I do. I, I like it. And I think the car angle will be good. And A-B is A-B. Um, I like football. And this is a good way to get the football season started. Obviously not as excited as I was a year ago. But I'm probably with you between knowing I got a doubleheader tomorrow and knowing that I need to pack and all that other good shit. Um, I might catch a little bit of it tonight, but I really got it so I could um, download it on my on my uh, iPad for the flight. Yeah, tomorrow, no, and, and, <laughs> no, and that's what it is. Be a great like I'll be in a hotel in Indy or not even in Indy. Colts training camps like forty miles from the city. Like I'll probably watch Hard Knocks then. You know, next week. So, right, right. It's awesome. It's awesome. And I guess you know, working in a building, uh, I've always had an appreciation for Hard Knocks. One year, the Bang- well, the Bengals were on two years, but one year I was covering them and I was around training camp a couple of days and got to see it up close and got a probably a further appreciation for it, you know. So, and then as, of course last year, uh, just thirty people around all the time, right? And all the hours and everything that they logged, and uh, you know, it's an awesome show. I wish teams would be a little more open about things on a day to day basis, but because they're not, I think that that's the appeal of Hard Knocks, right? Um, you know, team, the Browns Absolutely. are one of them that does a wonderful job of getting as much access with their social media team, with their video team, with with the stuff they, they kind of do on the side. But it it doesn't get delivered at the level or the scale that HBO does. And I just hard knocks is something that's that someone had a brilliant idea to start, and, and NFL Films had the energy and the talent to back it up. And now it's one of those things that everybody knows what it is, right? And maybe not everybody's watched every yeah. season. And maybe not everybody was into the Browns or into or in or not into some of the teams we mentioned, but it's become a franchise. It really has, and uh, I'm, yeah, like I said, I'm great. looking forward to it. I'm just not. Uh, I am too watching it tonight. But listen, all right. One last thing. Uh, I, I don't know how this is going to go because I've missed the first half as we're doing the podcast and finishing some work. Uh, I've watched a little bit of the basketball tournament. You know, these guys are older. Uh, if you don't know, it started out as somebody putting up a million bucks and saying, uh, this is an open tournament. Let's uh, Anybody who doesn't play in the NBA can come out in August and, and win. And it was held in one place and it was held on one weekend. And then word got out, holy shit, there's a million bucks to play basketball. And ESPN got involved because there's nothing on TV in late July and August. Uh, and then it turned into two million bucks and it turned in you had to qualify and you had to get picked. Uh, they did this. So 
I think it's spurned some discussion. I think right now we can't get enough basketball on TV, especially because the primary basketball league is less about playing and more about tweeting and, and free agency signings and all of those You're things. Right. Um, but it's really cool. And colleges and colleges and colleges shit right now, in my opinion, because of the same reasons. Yeah, it makes us the purest basketball that we get on TV. Yeah. To be honest. So yeah, so I can't it, believe I'm saying it, but it's true. And, and I know some of those guys. You know, I wrote about Jared Sellinger when he was in high school. I covered that team right. a couple of years when they had Lighty and Diebler and Buford, and and really they were the best team. They got beat on that shot by my night. They had one bad stretch against Kentucky, and didn't win that game. So I'm, I'm not super into it, but. I mean, I'm not like living and dying down in a stance like Aaron Kraft tonight, but I hope they win because I know those guys to be pretty good guys. Uh, and I just, you know, kind of rooting for the home team. But I think it's a cool thing. And you've gotten to see a lot of names. And of course, when you're a college basketball dork and a savant like me, you recognize all the names and you have some good chuckles and you see guys a little fatter, a little balder. And mm-hmm. you see, in some cases, Dre, why they didn't make the NBA because you remember them is playing on college and scoring thirty a game, and now you see them out there and they're like, you know, six foot and a half, right? <laughs> right, right, right. A, a right. lot of them that have the ball. You watch Aaron Kraft wide open in the corner shoot fucking air balls, you know. But he gets back on you know, defense and gets it back. But uh, it's been fun. The, the championship game of the regional level when Ohio State played Dayton, I mean, that was high-level basketball. It was an absolute grinder. And I've watched some other yeah, games with Elam ending that have come down to the final few possessions. It's been cool. So uh, I'm going to cut you off, and I'm going to go watch me some hoops. I hear you. Um, last thing I got to say, um, I know we usually end things being cute or funny, but um, my condolences and thoughts to, to Don Banks' family. Didn't know him personally, um, but read him for the last twenty some 25-odd years of my life. Um, life's just as crazy and just my thoughts and prayers, all the, the shooting deaths. I don't get it on pulpit. I don't go right or left. There's just gotta be a better way to handle things in our, in our world. And I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, um, not prepared to say what I want to say about either thing. Uh, gotcha. quite, quite honestly, the Don Banks th- thing hit me hard and you know, the shootings, unfortunately too many of us have become numb to them. Even when it comes close to home, I know yep. exactly where that was. It's an awful thing. Um, I can't gain, even if I do pick the right words and I don't have them, uh, it's awful. So let's do better. Um, as we often say, let's hug the ones we really love here. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for helping this thing grow. Thanks to Scene. Thanks to the Honeymoon Grill. Uh, thanks to American Fireworks. And thanks to you guys. So it's Wednesday night. No, it's Tuesday night. Uh, Dre's going to Minnesota. Tuesday. Um we will gather again. Where do you go after Minnesota? I'll be right back home. Then we're home for three with Boston. So we can figure it out. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'll be leaving early I'm next week for Indy. So we'll figure it out. Anyway, guys, um, we've gotten really good feedback lately. We got to do two last week because of the circumstances. <laughs> we wish we could always do two. But we appreciate you listening. Right. Um, the numbers are up. The overall we'll feedback try, was we'll, good. We'll try. We'll try. We'll try Friday if we can. I don't know what you got during the afternoon. We'll yeah, try Friday. You know, or even, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Anyway, um, we do this because right. we love it. We love that you guys love it, and we appreciate it. So thanks for riding with us. Hope we gave you some chuckles, uh, and maybe you learned something. And uh, we'll see each and every one of you at the Super Bowl in February. Kenichiwa, bitches. <laughs>